0: Welcome back, dudes. Hello welcome, there. welcome. How's it going?
1: You know, uh, I'm anxiously, like, I'm, I'm trying to forget that it's so close, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, and there's enough hype, hype right now built up in me because, uh, well, whenever you're listening to this, actually, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, you are either hours away or you just missed the PS5 um, announcement. So definitely, um, I'm feeling the hype right now.
0: Of yeah. course you're talking about the hype toward the EA event that's coming next week.
1: No, not even <laughs> not even that actually. Not even that. No, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty hyped for them to make another movie about uh Mulan, like a Mulan 2, that's what I'm hoping for. Like a Mulan remake. Uh, like a Mulan Rouge remake. Sorry, I should have been more clear.
2: Yeah, oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Cool.
2: I'm doing well, thank you. Uh- <laughs> uh no i'm doing well yeah we're we're in the like we're rounding third right now we're literally at the end of this game we are a week away now from part two we are hours away from reviews dropping and then of course we have the playstation 5 reveal events which as Shay said is either in a couple hours from when you're listening to this or it just happened so I hope you're excited, because it's a a nice time. This is supposed to be E3 week, and it's the first time in, like, 15 or 16 years I'm not glued to my computer waiting for E3 news or watching E3 events. So um, it's nice to be excited about something, especially um, this year, 2020, has
0: not been a good one. So just looking for something to look forward to. I don't think... um... I honestly like I don't really miss E3. I miss kind of the, the like the that weekend going into E3 where you know that you're going to get a bunch of like um announcements and 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 all the main conferences and stuff like that, but I do kind of like the fact that we're getting it is e- I mean it feels like it's still E3 season, but it's just being spread out a little bit more. Like the last 4 or 5 weeks we've gotten pretty good gaming news on a consistent basis rather than having it all come out at the same time and I'm still kind of in the middle on whether I prefer that or not, but I definitely find that like I just I just find that I'm I'm more excited about Monday to Friday now to to like find out whatever it is that's going to be announced at any moment in time rather than like the 3 days that we're going to get a lot of content and then like like radio silence for a long period of time after because I think gaming's unique in that you get um you get the Christmas rush obviously, like the fall rush before Christmas in terms of game releasing, you get the early March, April-ish spring rush, then you get E3 in the summertime, and then it's basically fall again a couple months later. So it's nice that that's been dragged out over a longer period of time. And even like for sure fall fall games like Cyberpunk and stuff like that are coming out like real early in the fall, like first week of September. So it almost feels like gaming is becoming more of a like a year-round event rather than these like three pockets where we get all of the same stuff, and it's really hard to kind of digest all at the same time. So um yeah, i miss so it that's, a little that's bit very
2: true too yeah i I miss that hype that just that that you don't know what's it's like a christmas morning type thing but for sure like like what you said i like the fact that any every day now like anything could drop like they could yeah. they could announce anything now and it will hype us up and get us excited which i think is really cool too so
0: yeah even um, uh microsoft today actually talked about the console a little bit more in depth so um it's exciting it's exciting times to be a gamer um, and then we have potentially Game of the Generation coming out next week uh, on Friday, as yeah. well as uh, a really exciting game coming out next month in Ghosts of Ghosts of Tsushima. So we've got a lot of great gaming stuff on the way. But, of course, you're joining us because we want to talk about The Last of Us, so we're not going to spend any time not talking about The Last of Us or any more time not talking about The Last <laughs> of Us. Um, <laughs> See, I
1: was confused there for a second.
0: I confused myself. Uh, this was a, a pretty... Um, this is a pretty busy week for Last of us and for Naughty Dog. Just given that um they launched their own podcast actually. I listened to the first episode today. It was very good. Uh, I was very we were talking uh, a little bit earlier today the three of us just about how hearing Neil talk about the intention behind the game um and hearing, you know, the analysis of and and the way that they wanted their characters to be perceived and received um was very similar to what we talked about in the first three episodes. So I think we felt a sense of pride that we kind of nailed i think what the intention was as well as maybe getting into some of the more granular details that um that we maybe didn't get to the first time playing through the game and now they're talking about it on the official last of us podcast so if you haven't checked out the official last of us podcast check out the official last of us podcast so that you can then listen to our companion unofficial podcast which neil Druckmann is a part of definitely and not definitely not not a part of i just confused (laughs) everybody i'm sorry um (laughs) Just to be clear, Neil Druckmann is not a part of this podcast, uh, but yes, he is. He's hosting on the on the official PlayStation podcast, so check that out. Um, there's some great stuff going on over at at the Last of Us podcast. But for us, we are going to wrap up the last narrative arc uh, of the Last of Us Part One. So, thank you guys for joining us for the last um, four weeks. That we've been recording this. It's you know, it's been something that we've been talking about for a long time and we're in the home stretch. We've only got this episode left, and then next week we're gonna talk about some speculation for The Last of Us Part Two, as well as reflecting on some of the reviews, trying to keep it very spoiler free. Um, but I'm super stoked. I'm really glad we got a chance to do this together and that we're gonna tackle the last part and potentially the most emotional part of the game today. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys for joining me and, and talking about a game that the three of us really love.
2: Definitely. And I can't wait to talk about this last part.
0: We made it. We did. We made it. Um, We made it to, this is my transition, we made it to a part of the game where we have finally met up with the Fireflies. Um, Last week, we had covered some ground in terms of David's uh, very, very terrifying community in the very, very snowy snowy area of of the USA. Uh, And then we found some very, very violent scenes as well as... A lot of separation between um, Joel and and Ellie, just finding out that Joel was still alive. And then the way that uh, Ellie was kind of fending for herself. And then, of course, some of the more violent moments of the game um, actually happened in the last podcast. So we covered a lot in the last podcast, despite it being a shorter episode. But this week, we're really going to talk about the last chapter, um, which is when we finally see the fireflies after we've been chasing them for the first um, dozen or so chapters in this game. We're finally at a point where we've met up with them and we actually encounter Marlene for the first time since we have uh, in the early parts of the game. Um, to be clear, sorry, we left off last time. Uh, Ellie was uh, uh, drowning or potentially drowning. Joel saved her before he was knocked unconscious and then we kind of cut to black. Uh, and then the next time that we see Joel, Joel is uh, in the presence of the Fireflies with Marlene in the Firefly camp camp. Um, which is a hospital, um, and Ellie is being uh, – she's fine. She's alive. Joel is obviously very concerned about her um, having not knowing what happened to her. Having not known what happened to her, sorry. Um, and so she is safe. She is away, and they are uh, prepping her for um, surgery as they kind of prepare us to know uh, because we know that she might be the cure for what we know to be the source of the zombie cordyceps infection that has obviously destroyed the world and and has changed the, the circumstances of everything that we know up until this point how did you guys feel seeing um, Marlene for the first time because I like she's kind of an underlying presence throughout the game um obviously like like uh, Ellie talks about her quite a bit um, throughout the course of the game but this is really the first time that we get to find out a little bit more about her obviously we know that she's the leader of the fireflies but she's injured and a little bit not. She's definitely not as imposing as you would expect the Firefly leader to be in the first chapters of the game or the first chapter of the game. So this is the first time that we really see her, you know, healed, healthy, and in a position of power um, with support of the Fireflies behind her. So how did you guys feel in these in these first moments interacting with um with Marlene?
1: Um for me personally, it was, uh, it was interesting because this is a character that you literally have not seen since the beginning of this game. And for her to kind of show up out of nowhere again, it's 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 like she's, she's kind of like sprinkled throughout the game by, you know, you learn more about her, you learn enough about her without actually seeing her that when you finally see her, you're kind of conflicted. You're like, okay, the immediate message is that, you know, she is in surgery and uh, the situation that's about to happen is it, it's not looking good for her. But, uh, Joel, you got to be okay with that. So her, her stance and her message doesn't change from the kind of character that she is. You immediately know that she will do whatever it takes to um, fight for, you know, humans to live and to get a vaccine. Um, so as a, on a personal level, you kind of hate her because you're like, okay, you're hurting this character that I love so much. But on a bigger scale, you're like, I get what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I think I think what's really interesting too with this sequence is that of how fast things progress at this point, there's no conversation. There's nothing that happens here. It's literally Joel gets knocked out and we cut to Ellie already kind of unconscious. And it's like, you don't have an opportunity for a conversation because most likely if Ellie knew that her, like her would, her having the cure inside of her. She would I I feel like Ellie would have sacrificed herself. I think she would have gone through with that. Do do you guys feel the same way? Like do you think Ellie would have sacr do you think Ellie would have willingly gone in there and and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, given herself over for the cure?
0: I think um I mean they kind of talk about it when you run into Marlene um later later in the in the uh in the chapter where she talks to Joel and it's a confrontational, it's a very emotional scene. And she actually uses that against Joel or or, or says it to Joel and saying, you know, if, if it was up to Ellie, if it was her choice, you know what she would choose. Um, so I, I personally do. I think Ellie's a lot more empathetic um, than Joel. And I think she is also um, out for the greater good. Whereas I think Joel has a personal vendetta against everything that's happened so far in his life, not a, a vendetta against anybody per- personally, but more so, you know he wants to redeem himself for not being able to save Sarah.
1: Um, I think, yeah. Sorry, no. Go ahead.
0: I, I I just think that the redemption arc for Joel is very much um, indicative of Joel's uh like like own selfish interests and that's what we've known him to be for the for a big part of this game up until the last to the last chapter really. So yeah, I I personally think that if if given the the opportunity, I think Ellie, as hard as that decision might have been i think that she probably would have been okay with um dying for the for the sake of a cure right um yeah yeah i think
2: i th- what about you shay because i'm i'm thinking she would as well
1: yeah i'm in the same boat as as kind of both my, my daniel's over here and uh does my does and like uh, da one said that you know she 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 would have done it for the cause but joel at the same time he's trying to fill this Sarah hole in his life. He's trying to fill this hole that, you know, it's a redemption story. It's a, it's, it's selfish yet at the same time, actually, no, no, I think it's just, it is pure selfishness. And, and that's, that's okay for these characters because you've grown to love and understand them. And, and yeah, there, if, if there's Ellie, there could be others out there as well that are also immune. So why does it have to be her? I but yeah, this is, it's such a complicated conversation as well.
2: Yeah. Cause we, like at this point, like, I guess we'll we'll get there in terms of the discussion. So I guess we'll, we'll get, uh, Dan, we'll get you to progress the story. So we can kind of discuss the fallout more.
0: Yeah. We jumped the gun a little bit there, but basically what we find out about, um, in the early parts is that, uh, because Ellie has a potential to, um, cure or, 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 sorry, they can use Ellie to reverse engineer a cure. Um, it requires removing the cordyceps from Ellie's brain, um, which would obviously kill her. So this is something that Marlene tells Joel about. Joel obviously hasn't seen Ellie since, saving her from drowning. And then at this point in time, Marlene just kind of walks away um, and just says that it's kind of the necessary thing to do. And Joel obviously does not take very well to this and starts to kill a lot of people, as he's done very much in the past, um, to, to save Ellie. Um, one thing that I, I found really cool here is if you take the time, which I def I don't remember taking the time the first time that I played through the game, um, and it potentially was because I was playing it on a harder difficulty, but I found um, there's a lot of insight into uh, Marlene's thought process and Marlene's the empathy um, for for Joel because there are recordings that are left and notes that are left throughout the mission and throughout the hospital as you're getting to Ellie. And uh, a lot of them reveal, you know, the struggle between Marlene and the Fireflies. Yes, she leads the Fireflies, but in the same token, she is not completely unapathetic with Joel and and the way that that, that Joel feels about Ellie. Um, And you find a lot about, you know, how Marlene struggles with this decision throughout those things. You find out about Anna, who is uh, Ellie's uh, mom, who is a nurse, um, and she she has basically left uh, her her daughter in Marlene's um, possession to, 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 to take care of and to nurture and to make sure that she, that she's raised and Marlene feels very responsible for, for um, thinking Ellie had died up until this point in time, because when she's arrived in Salt Lake city, obviously she was injured the last time that we saw her. We were expecting Joel and Ellie to get there much faster, but obviously they've been derailed in a number of different ways along their journey. Um, and so there's some notes that are left around and Marlene talks about how uh, Ellie, she believed that she had died by the time that she got there with the rest of the fireflies because Joel and Ellie weren't there already. And then she also talks about how she shouldn't have left. Um, she shouldn't have trusted Joel and she should have kept her to herself. So you, you sense a lot of, um of responsibility from Marlene's part. So, it really starts to I think drive the gravity of the situation because Marlene has obviously known Ellie since she was like much longer than Joel has, but Joel is the one that has this attachment to her that's not willing to let her die for even a, even a good cause or a potential good cause. Um, you don't really see that in this in the cutscenes. You see it more so in the in the surrounding literature if you go out and explore it. So anybody playing the game? I would highly recommend that you go through and find the collectibles because they do contextualize Marlene's uh, Marlene's beliefs and her own struggle with the decision that she's having to make in this scenario.
2: Yeah. Her, all her voice recordings and like uh, that. Yeah. It's there's so much storytelling here that you could just totally be missed if you don't take the time to explore, even though cause you feel so close to the end of the game at this point. Cause you're just like, I need to get to Ellie. I need to save this girl that I just, spent the last almost year of my life trying to get here and um you you realizing that like is Joel the is Joel a good guy? Like is he the good guy here? Is he the one that's going to stop a potential cure from happening? And like and I love that that game really makes you think and makes you ponder damn, is what I'm doing morally right or is it like is it like the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few? Like there's there's so much to unpack in the scene but it makes you so attached to Ellie as a character as this whole campaign has gone through that you don't care all you care about is saving this girl even if it means risking the lives of or risking humanity at this point.
0: Yeah, I think um you bring up a really good point because the sense of urgency that I felt I'm thinking obviously from from a number of years ago but I definitely felt urgency to get to Ellie even knowing the result of this game. Um, and it, it kind of took a lot of me to to want to go through and explore and make sure that I didn't just get to the end of the game. But by this point in the game, like you're pretty emotionally exhausted if you've been if you if you're playing it in a dense period of time. Um, for me, it's been doled out over the course of the last four weeks. Um, but you do feel a sense of like wanting to get to the end of it and not wanting to have to deal with everything that Ellie and Joel have dealt with so far in this game together and individually. And I think that that's kind of the beautiful part of this sequence is that you. In some games, you want to finish the game because you just kind of don't want to do the minutia of the game anymore. Uh, in in this last chapter, I think it's the opposite, is that the game has done so much to, to impose its its emotional um, like gravity on you that you really do feel emotionally exhausted by the end of the game, and you really just want it to end, and you want to make sure that you get a resolution that you either save Ellie or you know what's going to happen to Ellie um, because you do sense that kind of looming ending on its way at this point in time in the game. Um, one of the important things to mention too is in one of the it's either a note or an audio recording. I, I'm not I don't quite remember, but you find out that the Fireflies actually want Marlene to kill Joel. Um, but she refuses because he she feels that he's the only other person that understands the weight of the decision. And this is a really, really powerful sentiment because Marlene is willing to make that sacrifice play. Um Obviously, like breaking a commitment to keeping Ellie safe to her mother, who's passed away, but also for Marlene's attachment to Ellie to to break that for the greater good. Um, and I think that it's it's really a reflection of Marlene's character, who you know in some ways can be portrayed as villainous. You know, the Fireflies being basically a terrorist organization in some ways, um, and, and 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 not being afraid to to to, uh, um, to impose their will via violence. But Marlene does seem genuinely empathetic and and, and very much uh, emotional about the, des- the decision that she's having to make, and there's a humanity that comes with that. That again, I don't think you feel from just seeing the cutscenes that involve Marlene. So I, I really stopped at that point in time when I was either reading this note or, or listening to the recording and just thinking about you know Marlene standing against the Fireflies, the 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 group that she represents in order for her to respect the fact that Joel actually understands how important this decision is for everybody um, and being able to kind of discuss that with somebody. And I think that that's a really, really important trait of hers that, that should be discovered by anybody playing the game for the first time, or even if you're going back to it and maybe missed it the first time. Definitely. Uh, Shay thoughts on this whole sequence um, around, you know, Marlene kind of, not necessarily opening up on camera, but opening up uh, through notes and, and and some of the journal entries and stuff like that that we find throughout the the chapter.
1: Uh, on my first playthrough, it was it was a bit jarring because I was like, okay, like what's going on here? I think I was a bit too excited with the ending occurring that I wasn't paying attention. But on my second, third, and fourth playthrough, I was like, okay, holy shit! You know, this is this is really big. She's really trying to. She's she's thinking logistically as a I guess resistance fighter would in, in this in this scenario and her motives are very clear as to what she wants to do as well so uh, it was not shocking but it was almost I I, I don't want to say like I saw it coming but I but I did have hints towards that this was going to be a thing that was going to happen so it's it's in line with her character she. I mean, at the end of the day now, this isn't about the guns anymore. This is about, you know, protecting humanity and at the same time getting rid of this virus.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you kind of bring up that it's not about violence or anything else anymore because this is, you know, we talked about, I think there's intimate violence in the previous chapters with David, um, but in terms of like gunplay and, you know, really not having a choice but to shoot. And, and and find ammo and and cover and stuff like that. This is a sequence where you really need to do that because you're dealing not with any infected. You're just dealing with military and they're equipped with assault rifles. I think you actually run into the assault rifle for the first time uh, in this chapter. Um, and you're able to acquire it and use it against the, the, the people that are attacking you, the fireflies that are attacking you. Um, but it is a very, very uh, high octane... Uh, action oriented sequence which really is is a is a pretty far um you know a, a far stretch from what we've seen up and uh, up until this point in time where you're trying to lay low and trying to ration things like ammo and 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 supplies at this point it's really kind of no holds barred like like Joel is basically a one man army against the 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 fireflies to get to where he wants to get to um and that's to Ellie um through the sequence like i i didn't really i didn't try to hide i didn't do anything really like like subtle at any point i just was kind of engaging and it probably led to me dying more times than i needed to um but i definitely didn't try to be stealthy at all in these points i don't know if you guys played the sequence differently on your last playthrough if you can remember but i pretty much went through every hallway guns blazing um and and picking up all the ammo that i possibly could and just basically killing as many fireflies as I could. I even wasted some ammo in the... Uh, I, I pulled a Shea, and when I get to the uh, to the operating room, I killed I was going to say... The, uh... <laughs> you, you don't were... have to. Do, to be clear, you do not have to kill the surgeons or the doctors in this <laughs> game. You actually have to go significantly out of your way to kill them, and I killed both of them.
1: So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I you have to kill the doctors because... Uh, you know, you just have to. Like, you have extra bullets, probably not really though. And you just, you just gotta do what you gotta do. That's the thing. Joel is the kind of guy that's gonna get shit done. He doesn't want to have any traces left behind. Loose ends. Uh, yeah, no loose ends. So he's he's got to get rid of the doctor. At one point, one of the nurses was walking by, and she's like, "I have no idea what's going on." And I was like, "You're gone. You're dead. You're dead. No. You're dead." It was, there was Ellie.
0: She got up, and you were like. <laughs>
1: I shot Ellie a few times too, actually, but it, the game—the game was like, "Stop, please, please stop it."
0: Doesn't let you kill her, strangely yeah. enough. Yeah, <laughs> we're apparently a big part of the narrative, so you
1: watch it. something about a second game I heard about.
0: <laughs> um... But yeah, so you you arrive at this point in the game where you have uh, an option to to kill, not really an option because it's never really an option. Of course, you're going to kill everybody that you see in a room, um, but you arrive at an option where you find Ellie on this on the on the on the table, prepped for surgery, and um, you basically carry her in your in in your arms as Joel out of the operating room, and it really beautifully echoes the beginning of the game um, in the way that that uh, Joel is carrying Sarah and taking her to safety and he's carrying Ellie in his arms at this point in time. And I thought that was really, really beautiful. And I don't remember that being something that, that stood out to me the first time either. Um, but there's a lot of, of, of poetic symmetry here in terms of Joel really finishing his arc as much as we've talked about his inability to move on early in the game and then his ability to accept things the way that they were and, you know, accepting the photo of Sarah in the last chapter that was gifted to him by Ellie after initially rejecting it when Tommy first gave it to him. um, It seems that Joel is still very much somebody that can't, uh, you know, he can't move on, even though he's given us a, a, a lot of speeches and a lot of indications that he is somebody that can move on. The one thing that he can't move on from is what happened with Sarah um, and this sequence is, is kind of a beautiful reminder that, you don't know, you're never going to quite forget um, a daughter or or a child that you may have lost. And that's clearly how Joel now sees Ellie, even though he didn't see that at the beginning of the game. So I thought that was worth calling out because, like I said, there's a symmetry to the game. And I think that that's a perfect kind of bookend on on making sure that he kept Ellie safe the way that he couldn't keep Sarah safe from what happened to her in the first chapter. Um. This is another point where we run into Marlene again at the bottom of the elevator as they're trying to escape. And uh, Marlene, she kind of makes her best last-ditch effort to really kind of convert Joel on the idea of of, of Ellie um, being potentially a cure for humanity. And she opens up a lot about you know the, the way that she's thought about this, and she's holding a gun to him. Obviously, I, th- I think she's holding a gun to him. If I remember, she she is she's definitely confrontational with him. And then he really takes the selfish route here and decides that the right thing to do is to to kill Marlene and take Ellie back to Jackson. And he, in that moment, decides that he is going to tell Ellie not just one lie but several lies and really um, not be upfront and honest with her for his own sake. And it's kind of a beautifully directed sequence where it's cutting back to Joel being in the car with Ellie very clearly after the game and then cutting back to the sequence in the garage where he brutally basically kills Marlene and then just decides that he is going to get as far away from the fireflies as possible. And, you know, one of the jaw dropping moments in this game for me was when you, when you find out at the end, um, when, when Ellie asks Joel, if everything that he told her about the fireflies is true. And he says, I swear there's actually a lot involved before that. Like he lies pretty much throughout the entire ending sequence when they're in the car with one another. Um, He tells Ellie that dozens of people uh, are immune and that the fireflies and everybody have stopped looking for a cure. So he's essentially just lying to her for his own personal gain. Um, Yeah. He it's, it's, I didn't remember that. Like, I remember the last lie being such a big part of how I felt, but I didn't remember the car sequence. And we actually saw that car sequence, if I'm not mistaken, in the Last of Us Two trailer. So I wonder. Yeah, we, in, we were. I wonder if we're going to see some reflection on those moments as we kind of predicted a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, about for sure. The way that this lie plays into things.
2: Yeah, we. I, yeah, because I I saw like a side by side comparison of the two scenes, and you could see like the graphical improvements uh, like made to the scene compared to what was actually in uh, like the last of us part one. But yeah, just what would you say? I love, I love the aspect of this where it's actually cutting between um, Joel and Ellie in the car and Joel confronting Marlene, because you see their confrontation. Then it cuts to Joel driving away and you don't see Ellie yet. You just, you're kind of wondering like, did he take her? Did he not take her? And then it's kind of revealed that like, Oh, she's in the backseat sleeping. And then, you're kind of unpackaging it more as you're because it cuts back to them talking again and it's cutting back and forth that way and then you finally realize that joel ends up killing marlene and she's and she tells joel she's like like why do what are you why are you trying to keep her alive for she's either going to get murdered or raped by somebody and like We've already kind of seen that already happen to her with David. So it's like, it's crazy already that Marlene's already having that, that idea. Like why, what's her purpose to stay alive just so she could have pain and like be exposed and potentially die or be raped. And it's like, these are the, this is the reality of this world. And Marlene's telling him that, but Joel doesn't care because he's being selfish in the fact that all he wants is this girl to be part of his life still.
1: I think the uh what what's really done well about the scene that you mentioned there uh, Daniel is it's it's cinematically done so well it is how I would imagine if this was a movie to end the same way with these intercut shots with um you know these flashbacks this conversation with Marlene this keeping the audience in suspense of okay is is Ellie alive like what actually happened cuz hey maybe Joel did have a change of heart I mean Marlene's uh, speech is kind of convincing here, but um, it's it's just again it's so masterfully done. And I know this is a little off topic, but whenever the show comes out on HBO, and if they do a true adaptation of the game, uh, I hope they make it just like this because it's done so well, in my opinion.
2: Definitely, it's such a it's such a well directed sequence of cutting back and forth and making the making the player feel like did he go for it? Did he not go for it? It's just so well done. And then to see that Ellie is alive and Joel did kill Marlene and now he's moving and he's lying to her. Now he's telling, no, they're not even looking for a cure. There's dozens of people out. You like, like you out there. And now Ellie has to live the rest of her life believing that, but also also deep down wondering is Joel telling me the truth right now?
0: Well, I think the interesting prospect here, if we think about part two, is that Joel may not necessarily. I mean, he's lying in that he doesn't know whether there's dozens of people out there that have potential, um, ability to live with with being bit and not converting to to a zombie or to an infected. Um, so that'll be interesting if that comes up in part two. I didn't really think about that, but but if we do encounter people that are also, um, you know, not able to con to, to to turn quickly into the infected, like. Does that, you know, if Ellie does find out that Joel lied to her, so to speak, maybe he didn't lie to her in, you know, a kind of a roundabout way. But he obviously he doesn't know that information right now at this point in the, in, the, in the mythos. But it would be interesting if that was something that came up in part two, if she encounters other people that are potentially not um, not converting as quickly as, as the rest of the human population has within a short period of time. Yeah, Some I mean, for it's, for part two
2: yeah I mean it's it's definitely possible we'll we'll see more people who are like that, but I definitely think the lie is going to be a a big part of part two that of her realizing that Joel lied to her right I think I can't see them not touching on that aspect in part two
0: well, I mean it's the biggest it's the biggest cliffhanger that this game really leaves there for us, and we don't see any kind of resolution for it. Um, we are going to talk about a little bit later the epilogue that wasn't released um, publicly, which kind of loosely ties into the Last of Us Part Two in some ways. Um, but yeah, that's that Dan. I, I mean, when we've talked about our predictions for Part Two, which we're going to get into into next week's podcast. But that's definitely one of the things that I've, I that stays with me is how is how is this lie going to affect their ability to interact with one another? And you know, from the way that some of the trailers have been cut. Joel doesn't seem to have a very big presence in this game, but there was that one trailer where he kind of shows up and um, it's a very emotional sequence for both Ellie and Joel. So is that on the heels of maybe being separated as a result of the lie uh, yeah. coming to to to, to 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 Ellie's knowledge? Or is this something that maybe that's the moment that she finds out that there's some some mistruth being shared with her? So sure. I, the, the, they've done a really good job of keeping that under wraps in all of the trailers and I'm I'm really hoping nothing gets spoiled this week because I know spoilery people that want to spoil the game for other people are going to be um, on high activity on Twitter and all of the other places that you would find spoilers generally.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that's one of somebody who's listening to the show, fuck you man or woman. <laughs> the spoiler for us.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know what the worst part is and this is a little off topic here, but I, I was just on the internet you must have heard of it but the other day and uh I was looking up ways to see if I can secure my um, my pre-order that I have because it's at a mall where it's still kind of closed and in the comments some fucking assholes were literally just writing spoilers and I was like why like what like we waited so long for this game why are you being that dickhead going out there and you know, spoiling a game for everybody? What what is it?
0: I mean, we see it with all big media releases, and it's part of the reason that, I mean, I try to beat games pretty quickly after they come out now because of people that like to spoil. I mean, Spider-Man being a perfect example, like, I'm really happy that none of that got spoiled for me because it had some really, really important twists. Um, That was actually before we went to Europe a couple years ago, Shay, but... I was adamant on meeting that game before I went away because I knew that there was-, I there was somebody out there that was going to post a GIF or something that was going to spoil the ending. And we did actually end up finding that. I don't know if it was spoiled for you, but I saw a GIF and I was like, oh, man, like that would have been you, a huge spoiler had I not known.
1: You told me about it. And then I was like, don't show me. And then, um, yeah, then I stabbed you in the face. I remember. Yeah, right yeah,
0: that was that was actually what happened in the game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and May got stabbed in the face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yes, Joel has killed Marlene relentlessly, and uh, Sarah and um, and Joel used to take heights that were similar to what uh, Ellie and him are on at that point in time, and then he really gets into this idea that, you know, Sarah would have liked Ellie and they would have gotten along, um, and he talks about how he would have taken Sarah on hikes that were similar, so you're really starting to see Joel fully embrace Ellie as, I don't want to say a replacement for Sarah, but he's found somebody that he can protect and feels that he has the ability to to insulate to a certain degree in the way that he wasn't able to do with Sarah. So it's kind of come full circle for not wanting to be attached to anybody as a result of losing his daughter to finding somebody that he has become so attached to um, that in some ways has fully replaced Sarah for him You know, 20 or so years later after, after the tragedy that happens at the beginning of the game. So um, it's quite sad um and to see Joel optimistic is uh, a a substantial change from the character that we met at the beginning of the game um but i think it really speaks to what naughty dog was able to do with Joel's character and, and and have a very um a very interesting arc that that ends in a very different place than it did at the beginning while still having traces of who he is as you know that survivor figure that we've talked about he's still doing things like relentlessly killing people um but he's doing it for what he perceives to be a noble cause and that's protecting Ellie. Uh so it it's just it's really well done and I, and I Joel is such an interesting character in in just all video games because he represents us like like I rem- I don't remember a game going into this last sequence as they're kind of getting back to Jackson. I don't remember a game that made me think about how I would approach the scenario if it was my daughter or if it was somebody that was in this position with me and whether I would act selfishly or if I would act in a way where it wasn't maybe in everybody's best interest, but in my best interest. And I genuinely, I genuinely am torn at this point in the game. And, and just as, you know, we're getting into this last cutscene here. Um, I had kind of this thought, I was like, you know, if I, if I was in this position, like, I really don't know what I would do. I, I can't, I can't say that I wouldn't, um, potentially act selfishly but at the same time I want to believe that I'd be able to act a little bit more objectively and understand the the stakes and 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 the the impact of what I'm doing and the way that that might impact the course of history but it's like it's truly one of those moments where I don't have like I don't have an answer how I would approach that and I think that that's what's made that's what makes the ending so like fulfilling emotionally but also so heartbreaking is like a decision is made for you but I can't quite align with that decision because I don't quite know if that's the one that I would make. But in the same token, it might very much be the one that I made. And then I'm looking at the impact that that would have on all the people that are around me. So I don't know if you guys feel that same struggle, but like, I constantly thought about it, even knowing knowing that ending coming from having played it several times before. I am I'm just even now like two weeks from having uh, beaten the game. I'm still thinking about like, I don't know what I would do, and I don't think there's really any way to say what I would do if if you're not in that scenario. I don't know if you guys feel the same.
1: Yeah, for me, it was, uh, you, you know, the way I looked at it was I spent maybe, what, 30-ish plus hours with these characters. And in, that, in those 30-ish hours, I was totally okay with Joel's decision. Yet, it was it would still weigh on my conscience. But I have to think about the kind of character Joel is. You know, he knows he's old. He knows he won't have to live with this for too long. But he'll finally be able to give this girl a life. Um, So, if in those 30-ish hours I was okay with the decision, a character like Joel, who just spent, what, about a year or so with this character, uh, for him to make the decision... It, it, it totally falls in line and, and I and I see him doing it because it, it makes sense for him um, I mean even when we get to this last cutscene when he's talking to Ellie he's clutching his watch most of the time to really signal that yeah. you know this is a uh, this is a Sarah moment like this is it this is Sarah'm I'm, I'm I'm letting her finally grow up
2: yeah that's exactly it he's he's giving Ellie the life that Sarah was denied and whether or not that makes him a good guy is one of my favorite aspects of this game because we know Joel is so far gone in what he's done, especially the things that he did over those 20 years. The reasons why like Tommy kind of left him as well too is like Joel became a different person. He did what he had to do. Him and Tess were survivors. And now what this girl is bringing back A level of humanity to him. And as much as he's saving her, she's saving him. And I think she's saving him from himself because I think if Joel was to leave her there with Marlene and know that she would have died, I don't think Joel would have come back from that. And I think Joel was equally as scared of the person he'd become if he didn't have Ellie in his life again and had to go through that loss of someone.
0: Yeah, I think um I mean we've talked about Joel obviously as as a significant part of this game but this almost seems like a a a a point where we're seeing the story kind of transition to Ellie because you're finding out a little bit more about Ellie's past um in this last sequence we hear about uh Riley for the first time um who's a big part of left behind which we'll discuss in just a little bit um but we also find out a lot about how Ellie feels cuz she's worn a very very tough persona and she seems very resilient um, and and you know ready to to to, to tackle the world um, rough around the edges as we talked about you know super confrontational in the first couple of chapters with everybody knew that she meets but she's found comfort with Joel and this is one of those moments where you sense that she doesn't feel entirely comfortable with Joel and that's the first time that we felt that in a very very long time in this game um, probably since the first time that they actually met so she mentions Riley she mentions being scared um Joel is is you know being encouraging and he's trying to um you know give her that that sense of of you know of fight and and telling her to find something to fight for um and I think this is a little bit of a of a precursor for what we're going to find out about the the character that that Ellie is close to in the second game um but yeah that idea of finding something to fight for that's what's driven Joel to the point where he's at right now um, and it looks like that's going to be a consistent arc with part two as well. So that's really going to be a a, a a thing that we come back to and, and probably find in the first couple of chapters of, of, of Last of Us part two. Um, and then obviously the, the kind of the infamous moment that that I really remember being the, the jaw-dropping moment of the game in addition to some of the other ones earlier is when Ellie seems very um, quiet and pensive and apprehensive about following Joel's lead. Um, and she asks... Joel if if everything that he says about the fireflies is true and he says I swear or he says that yeah he he basically you know is telling her the truth and that there's nothing that he's keeping from her but even in answering that question it comes back to Ellie very very briefly and she just responds I believe she just responds okay and then they just that's where the game ends but you still sense that she's not quite comfortable or that she's not quite a hundred percent on the answer that Joel's given her. And, you know, we just talked about it a, a short while ago, Dan, but how is that going to play into part two? And how is that going to play into if there's potentially a game after part two, we don't quite know that yet. And that's kind of the most exciting prospect of, of the last of us part two is how does their dynamic now change after five years um, and a very, very different state of the world, finding a community that they're able to, you know, have gatherings in the way that we see in the trailer for part two uh, that that's something that we haven't really seen up until this point in part one. So I'm super stoked um, to find out what the next steps are uh, for these two characters. But at this point in time, like, I don't really know. Like, I, I have my theories and I have my predictions, but I genuinely still don't really have a great idea or great grasp on, on what to expect uh, and the way that maybe the secret is revealed and the way that Ellie will react to the secret.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, I, I'm really curious to see what this is going to look like going into part two because we really don't know what Ellie ends up believing. Like, as you said, the, the, we cut back to her face after he, Joel promises her, swears to her, but it's not a reassuring promise. And you you see that lingering almost distrust in, in her eyes and you just kind of wonder, like, what is she thinking in that very moment? Is she happy that he's lying to her? Is she like upset? Will it come back somehow that Ellie maybe is the only one who's immune to this? We don't know. Um, But it's just such a powerful ending to this game. Um, And then, yeah, like you were saying, as she brings up Riley and things like that. And I, I'm so glad that we got to see that brought out more in left behind as well.
0: Yeah, just a couple of things to mention here too. Music, music is something that's really impactful in this game, and we've talked about it here and there. But um, in the sequence in the hospital and leading up to this point, like it's very subdued. It very much is is a backing track to everything that's happening. But um, in some of the sequences that are more tense, like we, you know, we've talked about the clickers attacking and 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 how kind of nerve wrecking that can be to 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 encounter a clicker, and even the death sequence with that that very very like piercing tone. You you really hear a lot of subdued music in these last two chapters or in this last chapter in the epilogue. Um, And it, it, it's almost like a false piece. It it, it feels like things are resolved, but we kind of know that they're not quite resolved. Um, And I'm just with, you know, everybody coming back for part two, I'm just curious to see the way that, you know, music may, may reflect the emotions of, of part two, because we know emotions are going to be riding high in part two as well. Um, and I'm just curious at that. I know we didn't probably explore it as much as we would have liked to, but definitely in these last few sequences, just sequences, sorry. It's just so understated that it kind of falls into the background, but it's definitively steer- still there. And it's something that does influence the, 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 the emotion and, and mirrors the emotions that we're feeling in the game at any given moment, whether, you know, it's in the hospital or whether it's in this kind of last sequence. Um, and then the other thing that, that I kind of skipped over in, in, in uh, in the, firefly lab or in the hospital it feels um it feels very resident evilly like it's it's dark it's you you see kind of all these different like corridors and stuff like that boarded up with like hospital beds and with like just just weights so that doors don't open and it, it feels very very ominous and dark in the way that you would expect a zombie game to feel and i know that last of us did that a lot throughout the course of the game but it's that hospital setting that like I even think about movies and TV shows that have 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 kind of started in that quintessential somebody wakes up in a hospital bed and they don't quite know what's happening and the world's kind of gone to shit outside of the hospital. Um, this is kind of one of the few sequences in The Last of Us that really made me feel that way. It kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you guys have seen The Walking Dead, but the first sequence yeah, of, of, of The Walking Dead where Rick, Rick kind of wakes up. up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I don't know if you guys got that same sense or if you feel that Resident Evil vibe in, in, in that last chapter.
1: Yeah, for, um, I, I think it was very, it was that ominous, and it, there was almost like a fog in a way, like it wasn't a fog, but there was because all you could see was the flashlights of the soldiers on their guns, kind of like illuminating the row and the, the way in the hospital. So this was probably the most tense moment because uh, it reminded me a lot of the, the university sequence as well, but then it you kind of, are looking at it from a, a more scary approach. I found so. Where in the university sequence, um, Ellie takes care of Joel. Here we're seeing the opposite this time, and it's it's that fog like element that's going around. So yeah, it's very scary. I, I mean, I personally don't watch The Walking Dead, but I but I know uh, Daniel one does or Daniel two. I don't I don't even know which Daniel you are anymore.
2: <laughs> we one both of us. of us, both of us.
1: Daniel one two,
2: one two punch, one two switch, one. Two, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure, and, and like it definitely. That last sequence is like we were kind of saying—you kind of feel ravenous because you're just like ready to take down anybody who gets in your way of getting to Ellie. Um, and I think Shay, I think said he le- He killed all the doctors in the room. I may have killed all the doctors in the room too, just because you don't know. You have to
0: make sure that nobody's going to come for you.
1: They could have been zombies too. You don't know. They could have been bit.
0: There you go. They were begging for the lives, but yeah, absolutely. They could have. Uh, they could have been anybody, you really. You don't know. They could have been Ellie. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: yeah. Uh, so we we f- we finished the on um, possibly the most emotional note of the game. I know that there are quite a few emotional notes in the game, but this is definitely the big one, just because there is no sequence after it, and we've been waiting seven years for the next sequence. I do want to spend a minute talking about um, the epilogue that really wasn't. Highly publicized or really known by a lot of people, um, and it was never released publicly. However, uh, it's been coming up a little bit here and there because it draws some um some consistency with the first trailer that we saw of The Last of Us, which was Ellie playing guitar, and there was a lot of debate about whether Joel was potentially dead because he didn't seem to be a big presence in any of the promotional material. We knew we'd be playing as Ellie, so there was kind of this unknown. Um, but the epilogue essentially features a scene where Joel is teaching Ellie to play guitar. And he talks about this in the game earlier on, um, when we're talking about things that they'd be doing after, which we, which we discussed in the last episode. And, you know, there's that sequence at the university when Joel tells Ellie that he wanted to be a singer and she makes him promise that, uh, that he'll sing to her at some point in time in the near future or at some point in the future. And he does that, um, and apparently in this sequence, we having never seen it, but having heard about it, uh, she's distant and very suspicious of Joel, which I think you know lends credence to the idea that she doesn't quite trust what he said at the end of the game um, regarding the fireflies and, 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 and all of the things that he shared in the car with her that are just not true. Um, she tells a joke and then picks up the guitar and strums one note, and then that's how the epilogue ends. And it was intended to be a goodbye for Joel and Ellie, Um, Because at that point in time, there were no plans to really revisit The Last of Us. So we're talking about this now, a week away, being excited for the sequel. There was a point in time where I don't, like, there was a very real possibility that we never actually got a resolve. That The Last of Us franchise was going to end with Joel lying to Ellie. And then this epilogue that was kind of hidden away in this one-time or or two-time performance of The Last of Us as kind of a musical or as a play. And that would be it. Like, we wouldn't really find out what the next steps were. And we're just kind of up to our own imagination um, to, to find out uh, what may have happened to these two characters. So I'm definitely glad that we're going back to it. But your thoughts on that epilogue and, and maybe the way that it can kind of set the stage for part two and and, and the two of them's dynamic.
1: The, the epilogues are really, um, or I guess, unofficial epilogue or official epilogue, I guess however you want to say it. It's a very touching moment you know where the references to the puns are back there and um i, I truly wonder if it will show up in the game i am curious if in part two they uh they animate this sequence at all or if it's even referenced probably not referenced because it's such a small moment but it would be pretty nice though if the game almost not starts off this way but has that sequence in it it'd be cool
2: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down for every anything, and I'm just really curious to see how we're going to pick up back with these characters in Part 2, but again, I guess we'll save that for our uh, discussion next week.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we'll talk about it more next week, but I do think that this, just given the trailer and the way that that was Ellie strumming the guitar, and obviously she's been taught how to play the guitar, um, I think that's I think it will come back, but we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more in depth next week about, about the way that we think it might tie into the story. Um, so the last sequence that we're really going to talk about with, uh, with the last of us part one is the DLC that came out shortly after that explores Ellie's journey with Riley as she was a firefly, which takes place, um, before the game itself, but also after the game, um, or sorry, a midway point throughout the game when, uh, Joel is unconscious and treating uh, his wound and before the whole kind of David sequence. Um, so we're talking, we're talking, we're going to spend a, a very short amount of time talking about left behind. Um, do one of you guys want to own it? Cause I feel like I've kind of just jumped over and really done all of the talking over the narrative for the last little bit. So do one of you guys want to maybe explain kind of left behind and um, lead some of the discussion through that? I think it would be great to, to hear from one of you guys and, 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 and discuss with, with some of the questions that you might have.
2: Yeah, for sure. I could, uh, I could uh, jump in here and we'll keep the Daniel uh, tradition going here. Sure. Yeah. So we'll go through it. Uh, we'll go through it. Uh, I resent that, that by the way. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a long sequence. I think this DLC is probably about two to three hours. Um, but basically left behind takes place three weeks before. Um. Three weeks before the events of the Last of Us main game does, and we see that Riley is going, uh, is meeting Ellie at their boarding school, and she's revealing that to Ellie that she's gonna become a firefly. And you could already tell there's a little bit of animosity between the two of them because you could tell they were close. But now that uh Riley is gonna be a firefly and she was kind of off already. Ellie didn't know, is this girl still alive? Is like is she ever coming back? And now she's gonna go and join Marlene as a firefly, firefly, sorry, and then never pretty much see Ellie again. Um, And while that story is kind of being told, we also have the story interwoven of, as Daniel told us earlier, of them on their way to um, uh, Eastern, like after the events of uh, the Eastern Colorado University, um, of Ellie in a mall or a bus depot, I guess, trying to, Find like a med kit for joel uh so if we jump back to ellie and riley sorry there's so many names here If we jump back to ellie and riley they're kind of going on an adventure together to kind of celebrate being back together but also to say goodbye to one another so they're kind of going through a mall and going through a bunch of different areas of the small and i think the best my favorite sequences of this are just those character moments that we get to see so many of like in the costume shop, in the arcade, there's so many in the photo booth. There's so many little just moments that aren't big action sequences, but they're the moments that stand out the most in this game because you're just learning so much about Ellie as a person and why this character of Riley means so much to her. Um, And we're also seeing on this, in this timeline of her trying to get a med kit for Joel Uh, very similar to the gameplay of the main game but she's kind of using her switchblade a lot more she's just taken down infected but also trying to get away from some hunters that are are trying to get at her as well too are her looking for her in the bus depot as well um before we get i guess to some of the key sequences was there anything from this dlc that really stood out to you guys as well. I know I mentioned like the costume shop and the arcade and things like that, but were there any like key moments that you guys really loved from this uh from this DLC pack?
1: For me it was the uh definitely the costume shop as well, but uh I think at the end, right when, you know, they're listening to music and kinda dancing in the in the department store, um, where I wanna say Ellie starts to kind of discover her own sexuality at this point because we're now in this world where um all of those preconceived notions everything is kind of out the window and it's uh, i'm assuming it's a very safe place to you know love who you love i mean again we don't know what the uh, ramifications of that are that, that are in the second right. game but at least in this one what we kind of seem to go with is maybe this is ellie's first love this is yeah. a very tender and dear moment for her and just, it is just,
2: 2033, so hopefully the world has progressed a little bit on that side. I
1: you know I, I I really hope right now the world looks <laughs> like it's in the 1900s, so I mean who knows um, but yeah, it's it's just that moment that we have with her and, and Riley and it's it's sweet and it's endearing and yet we only spend what you're right two and a half-ish hours with Riley, but the ending of this it still hits you
2: definitely um, there's a moment. how about for you, Daniel? before uh i say peace
0: i just think in general like uh, it's not a game that uh it's not a portion of the game that i remember for any of the combat sequences in fact i don't even remember um facing many enemies or any many infected at all i remember more so those moments yeah where they're in the costume shop together um the sequence that is kind of eerily similar to david in the in the lodge where you're having to use cover and stuff like that but in instead of of you know, having a machete and trying to kill somebody you're just you've got a, a water gun and you're just trying to basically soak Riley and she's trying to soak you as, as Ellie Um and it's just it's a lot of fun like I like there's not a lot of fun moments in The Last of Us the game is great and it's really tightly made and it's it's developed really well and everything's really thought out but there aren't a lot of moments to just have fun and and La- Left Behind does that and it allows you to be able to experience that childlike wonder that we talked about with Ellie earlier on in the game because you're in the main game you're always kind of witnessing it but you never really get to participate in it very much because you know you control Joel and Joel is the guy that needs to be grounded and mindful of the fact that you know at any moment in time somebody's going to be able to try to kill you and to be free from that for even in just a short you know 2 hour 3 hour period i like that you get to step into Ellie's shoes and, and, and experience things the way that, you know, she's been experiencing, uh, uh different events and different things throughout the course of the game. But you now kind of get to live it through her lens, if that makes sense. So sure. I really, en- I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the big part that sticks out to me is definitely the, uh, the water gun sequence for sure. And then yeah, just the sequence. general feeling of like, you're not worried about having to take out a room of clickers. You're just kind of worried about just goofing off and being a kid in a mall.
2: Right, and there's um there's that moment after like the water like the water gun sequence, uh like Shay mentioned um with the music and them kind of playing that that Walkman that uh, I guess that Riley gave her a tape to listen to because Riley mentioned that she gave her a tape. Oh, you're still listening to that,
0: and um. It's Runaway by Kanye West, though. I uh, <laughs> I actually confirmed that with uh with um Neil. Um. <laughs> And it's a nine-minute version. To be fair, it's not the uh, the short version, so it's got the uh, the five minutes of Kanye singing at the end. I just wanted to say that. Um, but it's a it's a beautiful moment. And then there's a moment in the arcade, beautiful dark where,
2: where, a beautiful dark twisted moment in the arcade <laughs> where uh, Riley's kind of they're trying to play a game, and Riley's like, "Oh, I really wanted you to play this." This game because I love it so much and then she basically tells Ellie to close her eyes and is like t- is like telling her like how the what's happening in the game and it turned into a mini game and like any other studio this would have just been a cutscene or something but the fact that Naughty Dog literally threw up like the the fight bars the health bars the and the different kind of quick uh, quick time event button mashes like for fighting games. And it's the actual like fighting game movements. Like that's such a, an amazing like attention. Combos, to, right? to, exactly. It's a, it's such an amazing little moments that they, kind of, they have together. And then throughout this whole DLC as well, Ellie's very um, kind of doesn't show that she's upset that Riley's leaving. And she says, yeah, I think you should go. And then at the very end of this, she's saying, I don't want you to go. Like I want you to stay. And there's that moment between them where they ended up running from some infected in the mall. And it's revealed that ultimately both of them have been bitten. You see that both of them have, uh, Ellie has her bite on her arm and Riley has like a bite or a scratch uh, on her hand. hand. Yeah, bite, yeah. And they basically kind of look at each other like saying like, what are we going to do? And they have to. And Riley kind of tells her her options, saying, "You know, we could either take the easy way out and shoot each other and die that way, or we can lose our minds together." She said, "There's something poetic about losing their minds together." Um, and it's it's a really sobering moment Mm -hmm. because you know it's setting up the the events of the next game, but it's also, um, it's just sad knowing that Ellie. We know Ellie's going to survive this, but we know Riley isn't.
1: Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a uh, sorry, sorry. Go, ahead. go, ahead. No, 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 go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say oh, there's a funny true. there's a funny moment before um, where they're in the photo booth taking those pictures, and I and I really laugh at this moment because uh, at the end of the photos, it's like shared a Facebook, and then uh, Ellie's like what's facebook and it's I don't, I don't know if it's like a if it's a good if it's a good thing that facebook is non-existent in this time period i think i'm more on that page of yeah. yes thank god there's no facebook so uh i just thought that was a funny moment that yeah. you know comes up it was,
2: definitely, it was definitely surprising too because i'm like oh they actually said facebook
1: yeah because i mean i know when you hit it it actually does post to your facebook account because on my Facebook. I don't use Facebook that much, but if you scroll down, not too long ago, whenever the uh, DLC came out, their um, their Polaroids or their printout is on my Facebook page. That's so funny. Yeah.
2: Um, there's also um, something that I love in the sequence too that we did not really get to see in the main game, is that we get to see a lot of of encounters um, in the in the sequence with um, in the sequence where we're in the timeline of Ellie looking for a medkit for Joel we see there's a counter right at the end where Ellie is now fighting off infected and different uh, human characters and you could turn the infected on the human characters and they could fight, fight each other. So there's a I I love that that happened. And I think that's something we'll see a lot more of in part two. Um, but then jumping back to the end, like she eventually gets the med kit to Joel and they kind of go on their way to university of Eastern color. Sorry. They kind of go on their way to the lakeside resort. Um, once Ellie and Riley kind of decide what to do, there's a beautiful quote that Riley says that I felt uh, was very timely as well. Uh, that I, I was just I was just listening to. It. I'm like, man, this this really resonates. And Riley tells Ellie, "There's a million ways we should have died before today, and a million ways we could die before tomorrow, but we fight for every second we get to spend with each other." And I think that that's just kind of a quote that just perfectly encapsulates what survival looks like in the world of the last of us
0: yeah and i think it goes hand in hand with um with what joel says to ellie at the end of the game too like finding somebody to to fight for right or find something to fight for um and from what we've seen in part two is that ellie has found somebody else to fight for rather than just you know the memory of of uh of of riley and and joel in joel's case the memory of sarah um and you know, going back to that sequence where you know they're bitten, and and it's kind of sad that you find out about Ellie. Obviously, she doesn't know at that point in time that she's going to survive. Um, but I mean, part of me kind of thinks about the fact that if they had killed each other, then this game would have never existed, and that would have been really sad. Um, delete your save data. <laughs> yeah, delete your save data. Um, but yeah, like it, it's it's just one of those things where like there there's a sense of hope that I think the both of them have, and. Yeah, the easy way out is to kill each other, but there's there's a reason that, you know, that they spend those last moments with one another. And you can imagine it makes me think about all those times in the game where Joel is kind of down on himself and saying that, you know, that that sequence where where they're in the house and and Ellie tells Joel that she knows what loss is too. Like, I think it's it's great that we got to see what that looked like because in some ways it's I mean, you can't measure pain on 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 a spectrum like from two different people, but if you think about what this means to Ellie, like it's potentially like her first love. It's to, it's potentially um, her first time expressing uh, herself. You know, she kisses Riley, and and we find out about you know Ellie's sexuality, which uh, which is something that hasn't really been addressed up until this point in the game, um, or, or in, in the main game, sorry, and in the DLC as well. So it's it's a huge moment for Ellie. And it can't be discounted. And the way that Joel, you know, he's very down on himself throughout the game because of everything that's happened to him. But to discount, I think it just goes to show that you can't discount what somebody's pain is because Joel obviously doesn't get to play this sequence of the game unless, you know, LA programmed left behind in the world of The Last of Us. Um <laughs> But, but he doesn't know this, right? Or as far as we know, he doesn't know the story behind Riley. And maybe he does by the time The Last of Us Part 2 is out. But at no point in The Last of Us Part 1 is this something that's really discussed. So how can Joel really um, appreciate the loss that Ellie's felt and feel empathetic toward her um, and expect that same level of empathy and, and, and respect back? if he's not willing to take a look and see what other people have lost as well. So I think it's super powerful. And I think it's uh it's a great, um, it's a great complement to what we already know about Ellie. And it kind of takes it one step further. And then I also think it's, you know, it's going to be a great precursor for how Ellie might play in the last of us part two, because we see her, you know, scavenging and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but she's, a smaller character. She obviously doesn't have the same kind of power as Joel. So, I, I'm I'm curious to see how much of what we saw in, in in Left Behind will translate over into a way that that Ellie's able to navigate in part two. Definitely. Um. I mean, that's it. We we've reached the end of of the narrative arc of The Last of Us. Um. I don't know. You know. I. I I'm so excited like we're we're just over seven days away and it still really hasn't hit me that we're going to get to play this game it hasn't hit me that it's been seven years since the first one came out um it's it's just a lot to kind of you know process right now because we've got you know the game the reviews are going to be out tomorrow by the time that you guys are listening to this it's going to be out by tomorrow the reviews some of which have started to kind of creep up on social media from different parts of the world and by all counts, it sounds like everybody's enjoyed their experience with the game so far. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Um, but it's yeah, it's crazy
2: yeah. to think though that we're here though, because again, this game got announced almost four years ago, and it just it just blows me away to think that one we're getting the sequel, and now it's like we've kind of done our time waiting. You know what I mean? It's like now we're we're here. It's happening, and we're we're on the cusp of it.
0: Yeah, it's literally right around the corner. And luckily, I mean, we get another week to discuss The Last of Us Part 1, and hopefully you guys will join us again next week to to listen to some of our thoughts on the reviews as well as some of the things that we're speculating will happen in, in Part 2. Um, so I just want to take the opportunity to thank everybody that's listened to us and that's subscribed and reviewed and visited our our Slice page as well as uh, participated in the polls that we've been posting up. Um, I can finally announce that we are going to be doing a giveaway at the end of next week which is super exciting. So we're actually going to be giving away a copy of The Last of Us uh, Part 1 remastered for PS4 and we're also going to be releasing or sorry doing a giveaway for The Last of Us Part 2. They'll be the same giveaway so you'll get a copy of one of each Um, and then we'll probably have a couple of other prizes which are just maybe last of us part one, haven't quite decided on that just yet, but if you tune in next week, we're going to have a post up, uh, please stay tuned for, for when we'll select all of the winners for that kind of stuff. And uh, if you don't already subscribe to the slice on, on, uh, on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, please do and follow our social media. Cause that's where all the information about the giveaway is actually going to be um, communicated. So excited to announce that excited to give somebody the opportunity to play the last of us part two that may have not had the means to place, uh, to play, it, um, in a, in a different manner. So I'm super excited to get that into, to, to a listener's hands, uh, starting next week. That's it. That's all we got for this week. Part four. Um, it's been a pleasure talking about the game with you, with you guys. Obviously we, we've, we love this franchise very much. If you want to continue to listen to the last of us content, As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, there is an official uh, Last of Us podcast that just launched on June 9th, so check that out. Um, There's definitely some great insights from the creators and the voice actors and everybody that was involved with the first game uh, and the second game, so check that out. Um, I just want to thank you, uh, BAPS, and thank you, Shay, for, you know, um, participating and, and and just talking about these characters that we love so much. So thank you for joining me from from taking time out of your days and and from some work that you could be doing on your own podcast uh, to 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 work on this with me. Um, I'm, it makes it sound like it's an ending, but obviously we'll be back next <laughs> week. But uh, but I just wanted to thank you guys and and, and take the opportunity to make sure that, that that you guys know that you're appreciated for everything that you brought to the table.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you, and It means it means a lot, and I mean. Um, you know we're, we're so happy to be guests on your show, and that you thought of us to be on your show. So um, we, I know that our podcast, which is the movie podcast, uh, primarily does focus on on film and television. Um, but I mean, what a cinematic experience! The Last of Us is that you know it's hard not to talk about it and gush over it. So to get the opportunity to talk about this game, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to stop me. I, I'm gonna talk about this game no matter what. I'll find a way to bring it up somehow. So so thank you for letting us be on the show with you. Still,
0: same um, for me, so thank you. You guys, yeah, I, I, I appreciate talking about um gaming stuff with you guys. I think you guys have some great insights and some great thoughts, especially being a little bit more PlayStation centric. It's great to, to talk about uh 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 without the filter of, of thinking about all the other platforms and all the other stuff that we could be talking about. So, mm-hmm. thank you again on Friday. Um, I don't know if you guys want to participate in this somehow or how we can figure it out with the three of us, but. At midnight on on next Friday, I will be streaming I'll have a Twitch or a, or a YouTube stream up of me playing The Last of Us Part 2. Um, the goal is to run it as a 24-hour stream, but um, I'll be working on Thursday. So whether I'm going to be able to power through an entire night of playing The Last of Us Part 2, I don't know quite yet. But I will have a Twitch stream up, and then obviously you guys are welcome to join in on that with your own streams or if we just kind of want to... Um, balance that out we can maybe talk about that a little bit more over the course of this week but i will definitely be on twitch and definitely on uh youtube uh representing the uh the slice and and uh experiencing the last of us part two for the first time while live streaming so um look look forward to that i will have some commentary and i promise i won't shoot the first person in the game several times in the head and waste my ammo this time around
1: you don't say until you try it don't knock it until you try it
0: i really hope there's more ammo so that i can do it to be honest <laughs> Okay, everybody, have a great weekend! Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, check us out on all uh, social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, at the Slice To. And uh, we'll see you next week for our season finale and for the uh, the hours right before the Last of Us Part Two launches.
1: Take care, Take care guys.
0: guys. See ya.